You know on your phone when you're doing your thumb texting, you're putting in the letters with your thumbs and uh, for some unknown reason, it thinks it knows what you're about to write and it starts suggesting words for you. That's what the big AI is right now. That's it right there. It's trying to find the most likely next word in a sentence for the answer to your question. That's why they're called a large language model. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to an exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and Jeff McClure. Exciting for us. Maybe not for you. Mm. That's the first disclosure. This is the personal wealth coach, and anytime people start talking about finance, then they should have a whole bunch of disclosures for you to to immediately forget or memorize and walk around and speak them at gatherings like barbecues and such because that's how you should start good conversations with disclosures first disclosure is that um this may not be as exciting for you as it is for us second disclosure is that we are both bald and Mm. bearded Mm. and uh we're also related to each other Mm. we're also related to you as well as we're all hopefully, in the same species, though there may be non-humans listening. If you have a goldfish in the room or a dog present, then uh, we may be speaking to a multi-species audience. That's, that's, uh, these are inane disclosures, but they're good. Uh, this is the Personal Wealth Coach. That's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm, and that's not a coincidence. The people there are the people here and so on and so forth. Just because the firm's registered to give investment advice doesn't mean we're giving investment advice on the air because we can't. Investment advice is supposed to be to the people that we know in a private setting in the best interest of them and putting their interests way, way ahead of our own. Okay, well, we can't do that on the air because we don't know everybody. Well, maybe we know everybody that's listening. Maybe we do, but it's still not private because other people that we know might also be listening. Um, And people we don't know might be listening too. uh, Yes. What's the likelihood of that, though? Uh, There's one or two sometime occasionally. Sometimes we have people listening to this program when the program is aired. It it occasionally gets listeners. Mm -hmm. Um, So we can't give investment advice on the air. So what are we doing? We just told you that firms registered to give investment advice, and then we say we can't. Well, the the program that we're doing is here for educational purposes. Hopefully, we can teach you something so that you can at least know when you need to ask for advice and who to ask for advice and all that good stuff. So secondarily to that, or but from the perspective of the SEC, primarily to that, just because we're registered with the SEC doesn't mean that we are some anointed uh representatives of the government we are not they don't do that uh they are our regulators so if we say something stupid scratch that that's most of what we say if we say something fraudulent you should complain to them if we if you complain to them every time we said something stupid then they would uh, probably block you from their mailing lists because uh we say it so much um although it would be nice to get blocked from the IRS's mailing list the SEC's not quite as fun all right. Uh, next disclosure. Um, we're not paying for this radio program yet. Uh, we haven't paid for this program since we started back in 1997. Welcome uh, to the Personal Wealth Coach after the markets. We have a question waiting for us. I don't know how patiently, but it is there. 
was sent to us by our most faithful questioner, John. Inquisitor John, thank you very much. His question is about AI and Wall Street. Does PwC, by that he means us, not PricewaterhouseCoopers, he means the personal wealth code, uh, see AI effectively making all the money the quants spent in the past outdated or just another tool in their toolbox? This is a fantastic question because the abbrevi- the abbreviation AI doesn't mean what people think it means currently. It will eventually. Right now, artificial intelligence is very specific. If you're playing a game of chess against a computer that has been trained thoroughly to play chess, you can't ask it what's wrong with your elbow when it hurts because it doesn't know. It only knows chess. Well, people say, well, what about ChatGPT and Bard and these other big AI things that people are talking about? It's still what's called a specific AI. You know on your phone when you're doing your thumb texting, you're putting in the letters with your thumbs and uh, for some unknown reason, it thinks it knows what you're about to write and it starts suggesting words for you. That's what the big AI is right now. That's it right there. It's trying to find the most likely next word in a sentence for the answer to your question. That's why they're called a large language model. So it digs back through all the times something similar has been asked. And then word by word, sentence by sentence, it says, what's the most likely correct answer based on what we've, what it has seen in the past on the interwebs? Um, and that means that they have to be careful to avoid allowing it to look at Nazi posts and pedophile posts because then you get weird answers and people keep saying, well, I got a weird answer from the AI. Well, it's because it's trying to find the most often repeated answers. Those of you that have listened for a while have heard our um, critique of the major uh AIs that are out there when it comes to economics. Uh, It's pretty not smart right now. It is pretty artificially unintelligent at the moment. It doesn't answer even in most cases as well as a high school econ class. Uh, Student, not teacher. Uh, and we've gone over that and looked at it. If you ask uh, w- what's the workforce of a country, it's going to tell you the population of the country. This is the AI. The AI is supposed to say, no, the workforce is the portion of the population that's working or available to work, the right working age, the non-disabled folk, the able-bodied workers of a population rather than the population. Otherwise, um, my kids are just leeching off the system. One of them is completely illiterate. They Neither of them have jobs, um, and it has to do with their age. So AI isn't what we think it is. Now back to the question. It will be, by the way, just just waiting a little bit. Uh, when you hear AI folks say AGI, it's very different than when finance folks say AGI. AGI for finance folks is adjusted gross income, and that's a tax thing. AGI in the AI world means artificial general intelligence, which intelligence, which would mean that it actually knew what it was talking about instead of just giving you the most probable answer. Different situation. Okay, so the quant firms out there, these are companies on Wall Street. They're not actually on Wall Street. Most Wall Street quant firms aren't even in New York, which is, okay, that's, that, I'm, I don't want to get down into that rabbit hole because you could fall a long ways on what is Wall Street. Um, but quants have, well, I'll go back to the very earliest versions of what a quant is, as known as a quant. Um, in the uh, 
in the mid-90s, a bunch of Russian physicists were hired by Wall Street firms to come and write algorithms to try to figure out when there were big movers in the market buying or selling a company. Why Russian physicists for that? Because toward the fall of the Soviet Union, stealth technology in the United States was a new thing, and it was terrifying to the Soviets. They didn't know what to do with it. So they hired a bunch of physicists to look at their radar material and try to figure out when a flock of birds was a flock of birds and when it was a stealth airship or a stealth aircraft. Uh, and so they started working out these algorithms of, is there artificial direction being implied over a random pattern of birds? Well, then the Soviet Union fell, partly because of what happened in the Gulf War and how the United States just rolled over a very veteran army using the most up-to-date Soviet weaponry. And our stealth was completely untouchable and and the Soviets were like, well, I don't know what to do about that. And that led to part of the reason why the Soviet Union fell. Okay, so come forward to today. A lot of quants out there are still using these algorithms to determine when large buyers are buying. Well, this, this, so this, these original quants, these physicists would say, who's buying a lot of a stock? To give you a, a reason for that, if you have a billion dollars, and you want to buy something with it. If you go and say, I want to buy a billion dollars worth of Walmart stock just to throw in there, that's going to affect the price a lot. And by when I say a lot, I mean a lot. Because any given day, a billion dollars is a large amount to buy in a stock. If you don't want to affect the stock price when you buy, like most people when they go to buy Walmart, do not affect the stock price very much at all. If you have a billion dollars, you want to say, all right, I need to spread this purchase out over a longer period of time and do it kind of randomly so people don't front run this, don't get ahead of me and buy it before I'm done buying it. Because if you can figure out if somebody's buying a lot of a stock, it will affect the price even if it's done over a longer period of time. So those original quant firms hired the physicists to do the same thing to stock buying that they were doing to bird flocks to find stealth. When a lot of purchases are happening on a company, is there any direction from it? Where was it coming from? What firms are doing the buying? All that stuff was being put into a quant. Do you know what that is? That is the most likely outcome from a series of events. It's the same thing that we call AI today. It's not AI. But it's what we're calling AI now. So the quant firms have been spending money on AI for a long time. We use what would be called AI today. And it was developed in a paper written in 1952. It wasn't called AI at the time. It was called optimization. But do you know what they call what ChatGPT does or what BARD does? It's called language optimization. It is the same set of algorithms. Later on, when it knows the answer, because it's been confirmed enough times that this is actually the answer, it will be giving an answer that it knows to be correct rather than the most probably correct answer, going from student to teacher, if you will. So it is another tool. It, the question itself is, does AI make the money the quant spent outdated or is it just another tool in the toolbox? It's the same tools in the toolbox. They're just getting more advanced and the computer power is getting faster. You have something you wanted to add to this. If I could get a little bit esoteric about this. Wait a minute. Reasons I think that's what we just were. You're well, allowed I'm, to at I, this point. 
I'm going to get more esoteric. Oh, lovely. One of the things that drives a lot of things that most of us don't understand, I say most of us, uh, I've understood some physicists to say that nobody understands it, and that is quantum mechanics. Um, the issue that, and it, Heisenberg is the is the guy who started that. It was based on the general theory of relativity, the, the formulas in the general theory of relativity from Einstein, which sounds like we're getting off into deep space someplace, and to some degree we are. That's physics but as well, though. When we talk about quants and investing, that's what they're doing. The future is composed of probabilities, a lot of probabilities that all interact with each other, and it does not become reality until we observe it. The act of observation changing the thing observed. And that's the way the future is. And, and AI, if we call it, it isn't AI. It is simply a looking at the probability of what series of clusters of letters should be sent to somebody who sends a different series of clusters of letters. If you send a cluster of letters, we call them words, to uh, a large language model, it will look at that cluster of words and it'll look... It, it basically has spent a lot of time looking all over the internet, say, when this particular cluster of words is offered and it looks like a question, then the following cluster of words is the most likely one that will be respond, the most likely response to it. Now, it doesn't make any difference whether that is a reflection of the truth or pure fantasy. And AI can't tell the difference. And that, uh, the AI, that's called an AI hallucination, by the way. And this, this, you just nailed it on the head. AI, current AI. This isn't what may be coming in just a few months or a few years. Current AI doesn't understand the meaning of any of the words. Right. Just knows the most probable use order of those words based on what it is observed throughout the internet. Mm -hmm. And if you go wandering around the internet on your own, if we used to say surfing, although I think it's getting old now, um, and you read some of the incredible stupidity that is routinely published on the internet, well, you don't you have understand. to wander very far. No, and and uh, the the ignorance and stupidity that dominates the internet, you'll understand that artificial intelligence is going to produce that art, that stupidity. Now, here's the key, and I think very few people understand this, but it's the biggest issue. Microsoft, among others, spends a tremendous amount of money paying thousands of people to use their large language model and correct it. To tell it when, no, that didn't even make any sense at all. And it doesn't look for truth. It's simply saying, oh, I've been told by a large number of people who are being paid to tell me that that's the wrong answer, so I won't give that answer anymore. And then this kind of goes directly to when we've done our testing. They're obviously not paying a lot of economists to do this. Right. They're paying people who have a decent education and understand vernacular and understand general ideas about things it's going to take a while for the ai to learn eventually the ai will understand the meaning of each individual word it doesn't yet it just knows what clusters the most likely outcome for each generalized question and even that it can get really wrong because the most likely answer might be coming from uh, an eight-year-old on a pokemon website talking about Pokemon economics. Can I give my story? Please do. When this I was growing good. up and spent some time living with my aunt in the country, deep in the country of southeastern Oklahoma, she had a parrot that was given to her by her sister-in-law, who was living in Venezuela, Venezuela at the time. And the parrot was a bird, obviously, and they're not they're they have some level of intelligence, but they have no 
prefrontal cortex. So as far as self-identification and knowledge and understanding, parrots may be reasonably smart, but they're certainly not like a human. Yeah, they're different smart than us. Yeah. And when you the, the door to, to this very simple house that we lived in, if you opened the front door, it would swing around and make kind of a triangle with a corner of the wall. And the birdcage was behind that. So this solid wood, very, it's just a series of boards that were nailed together, door that opened would hide the parrot cage. Well, in the summertime, we left the door open and the screen door closed. And when my aunt wasn't there, people would come to the house or when she was wait, there, they'd come to the house and they'd. Wasn't that really hard on your electric bill, letting all the air conditioner out like that? Didn't have any air conditioning. I, I just had to and point that out. Go ahead. People would come to the door and say hello or something to that effect. Actually, they would say hello the house as they walked up. And then they would come to the door and say hello, and sometimes they'd knock. And um, what my aunt would say at this moment, recognizing the voice of the person, she'd probably in the kitchen in this four-room house, and she would say, come on in. And the person would open the screen door and come in, and they'd talk, and then they'd leave. And as they walked out, almost inevitably, she would say, if it was plural, she would say, I'll come back now here. Or she would say, come back now here, if it wasn't y'all. So when people would come to the door and she wasn't there, they would knock on the door and the parrot would say, come on in, come on in, in her voice. The people would walk in, go through the house and find nobody, which is a little spooky. And they thought, well, maybe I uh, misunderstood. Maybe I and so they would go back out the door, and as the screen door slammed, the parrot would say, y'all come back now, huh? And so we got a reputation in our house that it was haunted. It, yeah, it was, by, by a bird. And that was, that, that was AI. The bird knew that the, when somebody knocked or said hello. The most likely probable outcome. <laughs> right. It responded with, come on in. And as they left and the screen door closed, he'd say, y'all come back now, here." And... That doesn't make the bird hyper-intelligent or have any idea what it was saying or know the person or intentionally let them in the house. But that is chat GPT. Yeah. So when we talk about a quant firm on Wall Street, they're still as limited as chat GPT or as unlimited as chat GPT in their quant. It's just focused down on some very limited variables rather than every word that could be asked. So it's it's... It sounds like we're denigrating AI right now. We're not. It's phenomenal that a machine can answer us as if it's thinking by giving us the most probable outcome that might not be something anyone has ever said before based on a combination of what everybody has said before, which is it's a it is. different way of learning. It's a different way of thinking. It's not going to come up with original ideas. Correct. Correct. It does not have the ability to come up with an original answer to your question. AI will eventually be able to do that. You, to, to give you an idea of where the status of real AI is at this point, <laughs> call a corporate entity, particularly a financial entity, or chat with them and chat with their chat bot and ask a simple question and they'll give you more often than not in my experience give you a re an answer that has nothing whatsoever to do with the question you just asked well the parrot uh, parrot didn't learn that word yet so just give it some time and that's where just multiply that out and that's ai ai yeah. really isn't any threat at the moment despite all the hype it is really not any threat now it can't as take over tool, yet because that would be a, a new idea. As a tool, it's a threat, just like a gun is yeah. or, uh, or a computer is, in the sense that people can use 
the apps, so-called AI apps, to put one person's head on another person's body so seamlessly that it is almost impossible to tell that that was done. And so it can produce videos that look like somebody is doing something. Matter of fact, I saw one the other day where President Trump was being chased down the street by a bunch of FBI agents. This didn't happen, folks. It never happened. But I saw a video that looked so real. Had I not known it was a fake, I would have thought that looks like it really happened. Yeah, That's the scary part about AI. It's not that the AI is doing something. It's that people are using it to do something. Yeah. And and over time, th- this is something, uh, as I said, adjusted gross income versus artificial general intelligence. That's the goal open AI. That's the goal of all the folks that are working on AI right now is to complete a tool that actually understands what it's being asked and understands the answer. That's going to come eventually, but it's not based on my expectation. These are predictions, one of which was made in the middle of the 1600s by a guy named Leibniz. This is where the word calculus comes from. He's the first publisher of that. uh, um, Newton was the developer of what he called fluxions, and Leibniz was one of his compatriots from Germany. And he's also the guy that developed binary, Leibniz, not Newton. Um, And he had theorized by developing his coding machines, that at some point, someone would be able to make a thinking machine. Turing said the same thing when he developed the first digital computer to decode the Enigma machine from the Nazis. By the way, the Enigma machine uh, at its end had uh, developed a fifth wheel to make it much more complex. The original machine that it's based on was created by Leibniz in the middle of the 1600s. That's what, you know, when we see Indiana Jones movies and they talk about the Nazis digging through for old technology that's kind of mythical, there's some truth to it. They dug back through all the works of the ancient scientists to pull out these methodologies that hadn't been developed further. And because the technology wasn't there to develop. Right. So they made a machine that was, man, it was a hard thing to crack. Uh, but Turing did it by using tubes and using binary. And this is why we use binary in our computers today, because Leibniz's first machine was based on one of his first encryption methodologies. methodologies. Binary was an encryption tool. Because get this, this is this is fantastic stuff. If you want a little piece of useless trivia, but it's fun. Um, during the 1600s, Germany was not one country. It was a collection of duchies and grand duchies and counties and baronies, and they were constantly fighting and kingdoms. Each other. Don't forget the kingdoms and kingdoms, and they were constantly fighting each other. All of them claiming to be the Germanic uh, successor state of you know we're the real Germans, whatever. Um, well, Leibniz was hired, uh, the original Necron, uh, the uh, encryption uh, books were written by him because that's how he made most of his money, through watchmaking, organ making, and encryption. He's, this is the guy that, that was the first to publish calculus. This is how he paid for it, by encrypting stuff. And binary was used to get secret messages across borders, county borders, grand duchy borders, in the cross-stitching of the ladies-in-waiting. So the messages were in in cloth. the thread, in cloth, mm-hmm. in binary. Right. And it was an encryption tool. And he developed a machine to get it in and out of binary. And then he developed a machine 
to further encrypt the binary by alternating what binary meant at any given time. And he had two wheels, and then he he wrote the diagram for three wheels, and the Nazis developed a three-wheel machine before World War II started. Turing had already cracked it. If you watch the movie, by the way, that's a little bit of a they didn't do it completely right there. Turing had already cracked it. They already knew what the Nazis were saying. The big problem that is recreated in the, in the movie about this is when they added the fourth wheel to the machine. Then Turing had to develop a much smarter, more complex machine, the first digital computer, to crack the extra complexity of the new Enigma device. So all of I'm that... All of that is, when we type today on our computer, um, it's not efficient at all because what we're typing is being encrypted and unencrypted, even though it's not called encryption anymore. It's just the way we do it. It's extra complex. There's a little piece of information here that uh, I think most people don't know, and it is very applicable today from that movie. It's actually from the book and from the movie with Turing. Had there not been a radio operator in the German Empire where they had taken over Europe who always sent the same message every day at the same time, it was a weather forecast, it yeah. was a weather report, but he always preceded it with don't say it something like don't don't say oh. what because it had to do with the, the it had to do the, with Hitler the Nazi salute and how everyone greeted right. everyone at the time in so, Germany. But we're not going to say it on mid- the air because that's just, disgusting. Just after midnight, he would pre- he would always transmit exactly the same words before the weather forecast, and so they had this series of words which composed, I think, about eighteen letters, and they, you know, used in different contexts. But they're, they they the, the letters were always basically it's like AI. It basically said if this he's going to say this every day, so they tuned into the frequency, and when he transmitted the encrypted message the same 18 letters appeared at the beginning in the same order they were in before and that's what it went to work on it says okay now we know some of the letters now we got to figure out the rest of them and that is what and and today when you hear about a hacker breaking into a company and i understand um major hospital system in the united states is shut down right now because of that um and and it's just terrible. They were having to work off paper. The, the ransomware got in. How did the hackers get in there? They got in because of almost every case. They get in because a human does something to give away the encryption and the passwords or whatever is needed to get into the system for the hackers to do it. It isn't they have some magical ability to crap crack through encryption it's that people have to get in to do to work in that stuff every day and they have passwords and they inadvertently let somebody know those passwords and have access to their computer now there is a code that was used during world war ii that was not cracked by anyone it was the navajo oh, yeah. code code talkers um why was it not cracked well because it, it's an unwritten language that nobody had access to anywhere else they didn't have any context to crack it they didn't have a direct translation anywhere ai eventually will learn to understand what it's reading and there's some amazing stuff there's languages that we have records of that nobody knows what it said i mean it's it's written we don't know what it means and there's a bunch of use for AI and figuring out what that means because we cannot, we don't have the context. It's, there's just, it's just gobbledygook. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about French or English, 
there's a lot of words that just don't translate. So in a code, all words have to translate. And that's where ChatGPT is right now. It doesn't understand the words that it's using. It's giving the most likely outcomes. So it is more tools. That's, that's the, that was a long winded answer, but this is the big, this is the big movement that people are talking about on Wall Street right now. The big tech stocks are being affected by AI the most. Understanding that in context, what does it mean? AI isn't actually artificially intelligent enough. It's just optimizing our language. Eventually, that optimiz optimization of the language will lead to it understanding it. We're not there yet. Um, OpenAI has said by 2026, we should have artificial general intelligence. You said something right before the radio program, though, that we've been predicting fusion power in the next two years or three years for the last, what, 30 years? So uh, it, it's we're right on the cusp. We're almost there, but it may be that it's going to take a little bit longer than we expect. And you get that in any project, by the way. It doesn't matter if you're an architect, an engineer, a software engineer, a hardware engineer. You've got all you've got 90 percent of the problem solved and you got it solved in a year. So the next 10 percent should be easy. But that next 10 percent is the thing that nobody knows how long it's really going to take and tends to take longer by far than the preceding 90%. So we're not exactly sure on that. Um, but in the meantime, if you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually do give investment advice to people of relatively high net worth. That's fiduciary investment advice in the best interest of our client and portfolio management. Uh, the uh, local number to call is voicemail during the weekend, real life people during the week. 254-947-1111. Or toll free, should you have a landline, 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, where you can read our newsletter going back a long way. Sign up for it. It comes out every Friday evening. Uh, you can listen to our radio program going back a lot of years. You can find the podcast anywhere that podcasts are found. Please let us know how you're listening to this. Uh, you can also contact us through the contact form or directly at Jeff, Jeff at tpwc.com and Jake at tpwc.com. We actually read those things. Until next hour, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.